When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Listening to Rum Hunter Radio. This is the 2022 MLB Draft Special. Trey Entity and Nick Caparoso here to break it down for you today. It is an exciting day. It is Sunday, July the 17th, a day we have been waiting on for quite some time here, as we do every year. The Pirates don't have the number one overall pick this year, as they did in 2021, but still an incredibly valued pick at number four in that first round. There, we're going to take you through the first few rounds today. We're going to get that. Competitive balance pick at number 36 there as well. And then the Pirates have a second round pick at number 44. We'll dip into the third round a bit as well. But overall, Nick, today is finally here. I know you have a lot going on in your personal life as well. So I'm excited to, you know, kind of catch up with you to begin the show. And just your overall thoughts is draft day 2022. The first one of it, at least, is finally here. Yeah, you know, excited, obviously. This is... One of the times I look forward to most um, overall, like, you know, I've really spent a lot of time trying to understand how this front office drafts. And, you know, after seeing the way they operated last year, you know, I'm trying to be very positive and confident that, you know, we're going to see another very strong draft class. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing how that all starts to play out tonight. Because as we learned last year, um, you know, it's it's not necessarily just about, you know, pick one. So, Yeah, no question. I mean, that's something I don't want to say took me by surprise. You know what you're working with in Pittsburgh. And Ben Sherrington's kind of made it clear that, you know, he wants bulk. That was evident in draft number one back in 2020. But we really saw it unfold last year. Henry Davis goes under slot at that first pick. And it just opens the door to the Anthony Solomatos, the Bubba Chandlers. You go down the line. Um, you know, the Lonnie White Juniors even, and, and the fact they were able to sign all of these guys, it was incredible. The 2021 draft, who knows how much that has set up the Pirates for this future success. We've been waiting on, we're finally getting to see now this season. But Nick, you know, as we kind of just dive right into it with this first round, number four is going to be a lot of fun this year. Very high school heavy draft, um, you know, prospect wise and a lot of middle infielders. We were just talking about it before the show started here. What do you expect the Pirates to do at number four? Who do you expect to be there, I guess? And, you know, do they go under slot again or kind of strategize it differently this season? Um, You know, I've been trying to think that I want them to go under slot, you know, and operate similar to last year. But, 
you know, it's also going to just depend on kind of how those first three picks go. Um, you know, as we saw last year, you know, a lot of people, including myself, thought, you know, an hour before the draft, like Marcelo Mayer's the pick. He's the number one prospect on the board. Um, you know, it just makes sense. And then he ends up following the pick number four. So it's it's tough to say. You never know, I guess, like what other teams are talking about behind closed doors. It seems like, you know, for instance, the Texas Rangers are very locked in on uh, Jackson Holiday. It seems like it's they're not. Um, I have never seen another name mocked to them. You know, it reminds me of last year, Detroit with um, Jackson Job. Uh, you know, he was a p- uh, pitcher that was mocked at Detroit and everyone knew he was going to go there. And, you know, it didn't really matter what happened in front of the Tigers last year. Like they, they were taking Job regardless. So I, I wonder if Holiday is in a similar situation with the Rangers. Um yeah. You know, so that takes him off the board, which then that leaves pick one with the Orioles. Um, we know the Orioles uh, have had a similar approach to a draft that we saw the Pirates do last year. They, they want to spend their money across the draft, not necessarily, you know, on one or two guys. So they really are a wild card. I mean, you know, they're in the situation the Pirates were last year. They go Brooks Lee. Number one overall, you know, considered to be probably the most elite college bat in the draft. Um, very, you know, good defender. Going to be ready soon. Like, do they and cut a deal with him, save some money on their cap, or I'm sorry, their pool? Or, you know, do they go after the raw talent of, say, you know, a Drew Jones, you know, who's prob- probably the consensus top player on the board? Um, it's just, it's hard to say. So, you know, I think, I think the Orioles will go college. I do just, I don't think they're going to take a prep player with a first overall pick. That just doesn't seem their MO right now. Um, and then that of course then leaves the Diamondbacks at pick two, you know, and everyone's assuming that they end up taking Drew Jones, um, and that's probably going to be the case, but also Arizona is a goofy organization. You know, we saw them trade away Dansby Swanson after selecting them first overall months before. So you, you never know with Arizona what you might get. And like I said, just similar to last year where, you know, I don't think Boston necessarily thought Marcella Mayer was going to be available to them at pick four until, you know, it started to unfold. So, for the Pirates, if one of those Drew Jones, if he somehow fell out of the top three, that would be phenomenal, obviously. I don't see Brooks Lee being a Pirate. I think he'll go somewhere in that top three also. If he doesn't, that that changes things for the Pirates because, like you said, it's a very prep-heavy draft. You know, we're talking about – if Drew Jones falls out of the top, maybe taking him. We're talking um, Tamar Johnson being kind of the the guy, the name we're seeing a lot. You know, hours before the draft, the Pirates being connected to um, you know prep players. So 
same with Elijah Green. Obviously, we know there's always been somewhat of a connection there with him. Um, I just think it's not going to be the case. I, I, it just like I've said before, like the front office doesn't typically operate in that way. So I think it, they would love to get. Brooks Lee, if they could get him at four and cut a deal with him and save some money and, you know, operate like they did last year. Um, but I think it's just going to depend on if he's there or not. So, yeah, if Brooks Lee is there, I think he's their pick. He checks all the boxes, Cape Cod, performer, um, college bat, elite, bat the ball skills. He's, you know, a very safe pick, which is kind of what this – front office looks to do with these top picks. They don't want to waste their first round pick and get absolutely nothing out of it. They want to make, they're trying to make sure they get, you know, a good player, obviously, but at the very least, they're trying to get someone who represents, you know, a future MLB or maybe not a complete bust like some of these prep players we see to become. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a high ceiling there with those high school guys, with those prep guys. But like you said, I mean, there's a low floor as well. And we don't know what's going to happen this year. But from what we can gather, we saw it in 2020. Seen it, uh, you know, in 2021 as well. Ben Sherrington loves getting these college guys. Loves getting a big frame athletic. Uh, You know, we've seen pitchers, uh, you know, early on in these rounds here as well. Uh, Obviously, last year, it was a little bit different. um, But, you know, I could see him leaning college if Brooks Lee is around there. Uh, I think that would be an ideal pick for this organization. And it fits, you know, kind of the timeline. I think a little bit better there, too. Is there anybody you think in these top 10 prospects that the Pirates are not even considering? Guys that wouldn't make sense money-wise, like maybe Jack Leiter from last year. Uh, you know, somebody kind of in that realm that we don't even need to look out for. Um, I think, you know, one name, just Dylan Lesko. He's considered probably the top prep pitcher in this draft class. He had... Uh, Tommy John surgery about like probably two months ago, I'd say. So, you know, again, like for pitchers in today's MLB, some teams might view that as a positive that he already got his Tommy John surgery done. He's working his way back and they'll pretty much get him like next year, which, you know, so they're not going to lose a lot of time in his development per se. Uh, So he's someone that it'll be interesting to see where he goes i don't think the pirates will have any interest in him you know in terms of uh at pick number four they're going to be locked in on on taking a hitter at four that's for sure um another name that i just don't think necessarily make sense for the pirates is jacob barry um he very good hitter from lsu but again defensive limitations like if they're gonna go college bat you know i i don't see him making a lot of sense he's not that high upside athleticism that they look for you know you get that with brooks lee you got a shortstop he can play up the middle um you know he can play center field second base you can move him around um and the other name honestly kind of reverse your question to kind of watch for is zach nito uh nito's a middle infielder from campbell um you know, 
had a very strong season, but obviously playing at a school like Campbell, like there's some question marks, okay, competition, et cetera. But, you know, apparently he went to the draft combine and just put on a show um, to the point where like he's definitely turned into, you know, a top 10 prospect in this draft. And a month ago he wasn't. So he's kind of a name to watch, has some helium. You know, I think if Brooks Lee maybe goes in the top three and the Pirates don't go with him, we could maybe see Nito, um, but I would not expect to see a pitcher there. I wouldn't expect to see, you know, a guy like Jacob Berry, um, who is more of a pure bat. You know, they're going to look for that athletic upside. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And, you know, it's so funny. You said it perfectly before the show started, Nick. There's always one of these guys. This year it could be Nito that just kind of comes out of nowhere and slides up into the top ten. Uh, you know, maybe it's the right right move for the Pirates. Get him under slot there and can kind of get that plan in motion again in the first round there. So we kind of look through the rest of the first round here outside of Pittsburgh. Who else gets you excited? Who else do you think is going to slide that maybe we've been talking about for quite some time as guys that could go in the top 10 or anybody else, um, you know, that could be a sneaky pick later in that first round? Yeah, um, I mean, it's going to be, I think, interesting to see where Elijah Green ends up going. And we were talking about this, like we've mentioned a couple times out before the show, but, you know, he, um, at one point, he was considered the, the top prospect in this draft. He was on fan graphs, the only prospect who had a 50 future value, like last year at this time, essentially. Uh, and we saw that last year, Kumar Rocker, right? Like a year out, he was the guy. Then as time goes on, he starts to slip because it's very similar there's nowhere to go but down you know from the top spot and green i know there's obviously concerns about his swing and miss um you like the pedigree the athleticism son of eric former tight end eric green um you know there's a lot of positives to like about him but it just seems like the the you know something i talked about last year a lot um it seems like the arrow is down with him you know, and it, I think we're seeing more and more teams looking for players who have up arrows, like I was talking about with Zach Nito, right? Like, I just – Elijah Green represents someone who, you know, we could go into top five or could slide out of the top ten. So I'm kind of interested to see where he ends up going after all the all the hype. Um, and, of course, there's Cole Young, Um uh, Pittsburgh local kid from North Allegheny. Uh, he's projected, you know, mid to late first round. Uh, it'll be interesting. The Pirates apparently have been, you know, scouting him, which as they should, but, you know, obviously at pick four, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So, you know, I read an article not long back, hoping that maybe that's one of those, you know, similar to the Bubba Chandler things last year where, Hey, like if, if you wait to pick 36, we can get you the money you want, you know, and you can stay here. So we'll see if that's what happens when, you know, you talking about guys like sliding in the back end of the first round, like, you know, it will be interesting, like you said, to see which, which players slide maybe because of concerns or maybe because of, you know, getting a better deal down in a different round. It's the unique thing about baseball. You know, it's 
they don't not everyone needs to be a first round pick it's about it's about the bonus check you know <laughs> oh, 100%. I mean, it's it's got such a unique strategy to it, the baseball draft. And, you know, that's something I think is kind of hard to explain if people don't follow small market baseball as closely. You look at last year's first round, you know, in a world where all things are equal, maybe the Pirates do take a guy like Marcelo Meyer or Jack Leiter there. But, you know, you have to work a, a different kind of strategy in this draft. We saw last year four out of the top 50 prospects were signed by the Pirates from that draft. Could see something similar this year with some of those slides. Um, you hope to see it there. But Elijah Green, I'm right there with you. This is a guy that, um, you know, we we were talking about as, you know, maybe one of the best draft prospects in, in the half decade here. But he has slid quite a bit, as Kumar Rocker did uh, a season ago as well. While we're on it here, before we get to the competitive balance round, what do you think about Kumar Rocker? What's the, uh, what's the situation this year? Obviously, uh, was drafted by the Mets last year, ended up not signing that contract. Where do you think he ends up? And, you know, maybe this is uh, – this is a nice segue for you to that competitive balance pick. Yeah, I mean, Kumar is kind of all over the place. I've seen him going as high as like 13, I think. And I've seen him, like Fangraphs has him ranked as their 60th best prospect right now. So there's, there is definitely a lot of question marks still around him. And, you know, it's funny because it's basically how it was last year, um, just in a different stratosphere in terms of the draft um where they are talking about but he to just real quick recap last year you know he he was drafted by the Mets 10th overall and they agreed to a deal to pay him like I think it was like six and a half million something like that around there and when he did his physical uh they they saw some stuff in his arm um can't remember if it's his elbow or shoulder. It might have been both, honestly. Um, and you know, I they didn't. They thought it was concerning, essentially. So they pulled their offer. And you know, in the MLB draft, um, you know, they're not necessarily their the requirement for that they had to offer him was like five hundred thousand dollars. So they essentially offered him like six million dollars less. Not even. Um, you know, the amount that he was owed for the 10th pick, like they just completely lowballed him knowing that they would get a compensation pick for this year's draft, which is why the Mets have two first round picks this year and are one of the three teams that have more money to spend than the Pirates. Um, so, you know, with that, Rocker has been pitching an independent league. He's been doing well. And I know scouts have been, you know, saying they – they like what they're seeing from him, but there's still just a lot of question marks about the health, about that arm. Um, you know me, I've always been like very uh, hesitant about Vanderbilt pitching. They pitch their pitchers into the ground um, because they're expected to win a national championship every year. And if you, you know, really think about hard, uh, there just hasn't been a lot of great Vanderbilt pitchers recently. So, I'm not, and I'm not saying, you know, that that's necessarily going to be the case with Rocker. Um, but it's definitely just, there's a lot of red flags still. And that's why I think it's so people are having a hard time predicting again, where he might go. If he was there at pick 36 and the pirates took him, you know, that would be interesting. I think that would speak a lot about, you know, the, the process behind Kumar Rocker. They, you know, 
if that would show that they probably did have a relationship of some sort of build up with him last year. Um, we'll see what happens. It'd be funny. It'd be ironic if he ended up here, yeah. but it's really hard to say, you know, yeah. who ends up going there. It'd now, last year we had pick 35. Yeah. And we took Anthony Solomieto with that pick, right? So if we operate similarly in that direction, say, say we end up taking one of those uh, shorts, college shortstops at four, you know, do we look at an upside prep pitcher who, you know, is looking for a little more of a bonus that slides to 36? I like it. I think it would, uh, you know, it would be so funny if Kumar was around at that 36 slot and they were able to figure something out. And I think it really would speak on that relationship that's probably carried over into 2022. But, uh, you know, Kumar Rocker going to be an interesting one to watch that, that 36 pick at, um, you know, the competitive balance round going to be a lot of fun to, to watch as well there. I'm leaning with you. I, I think um, prep pitcher would make a lot of sense there. If they do get a middle infielder with that fourth pitch pick, which I could easily see at this point. And I forgot to mention it while we were on that first round, Marty Leap, not able to join us for this first round of draft talk. He will be with us later in the day to kind of break down that first pick, but he has Termar Johnson uh, going at number four to the pirates there. So uh, got to get his pick in there, but number 36 going to be a, a nice little slot again, very similar to what the pirates had last year. Um, you know, and we'll see if they can kind of double up as, as they did last year. Uh, with they can get, a, they can get aggressive with that pick. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Um, or they could not, you know, and try to, save money there if they end up like you said if they go johnson at pick four like marty thinks and you know that right now that seems to be the hot name um like i said i'm not sure about them taking a prep player but say like they do there and you know he's probably going to cost a little more than one of those college bats would so they might need to take it easy at pick 36 to save a little bit of money there to you know use more down the road but you know just looking at some of the names that could be there, you know, one that stands out to me is Judd Fabian. He's a college bat um, kid out of Florida, Cape Cod performer. At one point last year, looked to be one of the top college hitters in the draft class, and he just uh, didn't have a great season uh, with the Florida Gators and really saw his stock fall. So went back to school and he, he had a, he had a strong season this year. Um, definitely like answered some of the questions. So again, maybe, maybe someone that could be there at 36, uh, Connor Prelip left-hander from, uh, Alabama. You know, he is at one point was the top, maybe the top college arm in this draft class. And, you know, unfortunately he had to get Tommy John surgery. Right. And, um, you know, missed time. So there's some question marks there. Um, again, the the talent versus the risk versus the signing bonus. Like, we'll see how if that all how that all equates for him and what teams are willing to do that. But again, when you have that extra draft pick, you can be, take a little bit of a risk. You know, and and a guy like Prelip would be very interesting. Just be dominant lefty. Um, who, like I said, has some risk there, but has a high reward potentially too. 
In terms of the high school pitchers who might be there, there's not a lot of names uh, ranked in that range. There's not a lot of ton of high school pitching in general um, towards the top of this draft board. Uh, Brandon Berea is the top um, name that maybe could be there at 36. He's ranked around like 25. Um, you know, he's a kid from Florida. So, you know, you like the pedigree, the upside, you know, he throws hard, but again, he could, he'll probably be off the board before that barring backdoor negotiations. Yeah, you never know what's going to go down here uh, throughout the day and, and into this week as well here. Guy like Jackson Ferris, would I would love to see him slide that far, kind of in that similar realm there. Got to see him pitch this past um, March, I guess it was, and, and he looked really good, but I've seen him kind of slide a decent bit as well. Jackson Ferris, I mean, he's being mocked. Baseball America mocked him to us at pick 36, so that that is a name that could be there, um, you know, and that's about where he will go. Yeah, for sure. So he's not necessarily one that they, if he goes in the first round, it's someone who, like you said, maybe really likes him, has scouted him, really likes what they see in him, a specific team. And hey, we want to get this guy. We like this, this pitcher at the back end of the first round, because then they can cut a deal with him because, hey, like you're going a little higher. But again, um, where he's ranked and everything like it could make a lot of sense for the pirates and no, you know, yeah, no, it would be great. Um, it, you know, with any one of these guys, if you can save money with that competitive balance pick, it kind of opens the door. Cause we get 44 again this year, you have three picks yeah. within the top 50, uh, you know, and as we kind of slide it down to that 44th pick, do you think similar guys are in the conversation here or, you know, who, who do you see being available at number 44? Um, yeah, like, so we were just talking about Jackson Ferris, right? Like, on fan graphs, he's ranked 43rd. So that's what I mean. He could be right in the conversation for either one of those picks. Um, you know, last year we saw them take three straight prep players after taking the college bat early. It'll be interesting, like, if that's a way they operate again. Um, I, I wouldn't expect them to, but I think they'll maybe go back to the college ranks um, looking for, a you know, a good hitter, like I said, Fabian before. Uh, another outfielder from Florida, Sterling Thompson, you know, he was a high thought of guy coming out of high school a few years back and, you know, decided to go to college instead. And so there's a lot of upside uh, to him. Um, he's, he's a lefty swinger. Uh, so you got like that, you know, power potential at PNC park and, you know, that's someone that he's six, four, he's got size athlete. Like it's just something we're seeing the pirates starting to really focus on is getting power into this lineup, you know, outside of moving some of our top middle infield prospects into the outfield. We're not exactly that deep in outfield prospects. So a guy like Sterling Thompson can make a lot of sense for them at that pick. Um, like, you know, just for a lot of the reasons that we talked about. Um, and the other name I would say to, to look for right there is also Dylan Beavers, who's an outfielder from California. You know, very similar. He's big guy, six foot four, bats lefty. Um, and again, just 
coming out of college is polished. You know, you know they're they're going to be able to kind of step into the minor leagues and you know start working their way up that ladder a lot quicker. And I think you know we're seeing this window slowly starting to open. I think so. Taking a you know a, a, another college bat would really put them in a good spot to have you know potentially two good hitters coming up maybe in you know two three years for reinforcements at the time you know when with whoever may leave and by then now, the outfield prospect wise and in, in the organization I think is very thin at this point I would love to see one more guy uh you know in this draft to get excited about just keep adding to that pool of players that uh, ben Sherrington has built and you know I think the 2020 draft is kind of the first time we started to really uh, you know put faith in that that plan and start to see kind of what he was getting at and 2021 looked a little bit different you know as we kind of look back and, and preview this 2022 draft do you think it looks a little bit more like what we saw in 2020 or what we saw last year in 2021 obviously the number one pick changes things uh, but you know with the guys available this year and um, you know kind of how things are, are leading up do you see this one I guess resembling his first draft or, or his second draft a little bit more. Or is this a completely new strategy from Ben Sherrington this year? Um, I think we'll see closer to last year. I think that's how he wants to operate. Um, I think 2020, you know, we did see him kind of be aggressive with with those first couple picks. So then, but it was just such a different draft that year. I mean, they only had what five rounds, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Good so. Good. They had six picks, the Pirates did, and it, it just, you know, leading up to the draft when they they didn't have really opportunities to scout normally like they would and all that. So I, I, I expect it to look more like last year. I expect to see some creative, you know, picks and, you know, some excitement generated about the, the potential of some of these guys that they're going to draft. No doubt. It's going to be a fun draft. It always is so fun and, um, you know, really pushed up against the All-Star Weekend again this year. It, it, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time to be a Pirates fan right now in general. But, you know, to see the future continue to, to get built onto and, um, you know, days like this, it's it's always a lot of fun. And so we kind of close it out here for our 2022 draft special. Just your first pick, Nick, if you had to make that decision at this moment. Uh, you know, and some other guys you're excited for, and just your general thoughts on on the 2022 draft. Yeah, I think you know if the first pick for the Pirates um, is going to be Zach Nito. Um, I I think Brooks Lee is not there. If he is there, they take him. But I think they end up taking Nito, and you know, saving some money and cutting a deal with those picks at 36 and 44 on some you know higher upside player so that's kind of what i expect um you know like we mentioned earlier it's going to be interesting to see if kumar rocker goes today um or if he has to wait till tomorrow and just you know i think there's a real opportunity if you watch the draft this year um you know i think it could be a lot of fun there's a lot of a lot of pedigree in this draft you know you have andrew jones's kid matt holiday's kid um, Cam, Cam Collier, who is a name we haven't even talked about, which is actually someone who I'm pretty high on. Uh, I thought 
he would make sense at pick number four, but I'm kind of getting pushed away from that, you know, with the whole the Pirates like to do a lot of smoke and mirrors. But, you know, he, he's another name that could be in there at four. But anyhow, his dad played Lou uh, Collier. Then you have Justin Crawford, uh, Carl Crawford's kid. Um, Daniel Susak, Andrew Susak's brother. Jay Stung, whose brother is a top prospect for the Rangers. Uh, and, you know, the list kind of just keeps going on as you go down it. So, like I said, I think it will be entertaining to watch these guys get drafted because we're going to get to see a lot of old highlights of their parents. And, like, it just is kind of, you know, a different time to see this amount of, like, former athletes, even Elijah Green, right, with his dad being a tight end, Eric Green. I knew I was missing someone. You know, they they have – his dad used yeah. to play in the NFL. Right. Like, there's just a lot of pedigree in this draft. And, you know, it will be exciting to kind of see, you know, that unfold yeah, after watching so many of their parents play. Right. And it's insane to think, um, you know, that, that some of these kids are even eligible to be drafted at this point. I wasn't around to remember uh, Andrew Jones like that or, or, you know, some of these other guys <laughs> as well. But. Uh, the fact that that Matt Holiday done is, you know, is going to be a part of this draft yeah. is crazy to think about. Um, but it's going to be fun. Like you said, this is draft day 2022. It is finally here. Uh, we are going to break down that first pick as it comes in. So be sure to get back with us here on Run Buncher Radio as the draft rolls on in round number one and throughout the rest of the draft as well. We're going to be jumping on here to, to address it all and, and kind of give you our thoughts on how the Pirates are going about the 2022 draft. Guys, go to runbuncher.com. We do a lot of coverage here around the draft and everything else on the Run Buncher Radio side of things. But there are so many articles out right now covering the draft, previewing it just the same as we do. You can see some other projections from some other staff writers on there as well. And they're going to be breaking down these picks as they come in. For Nick Caparoso, my name is Trey Yannity. This has been the Run Buncher Radio Draft Special 2022. The Pittsburgh Pirates have the fourth pick. That'll come later on today. We will get excited for it. I hope you are as well. Until then, let's go Bucks. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.